Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. This week, we have my friend Jess Connolly joining us. Jess is a gal who's in the thick of it herself. She's the author of Dance, Stand, Run, and You Are the Girl for the Job. She's also the co-author of Wild and Free and Always Enough, Never Too Much. Uh, do these titles resonate with you? Because they sure as heck resonate with me. I think you're going to love our conversation because we talk about it all. The nitty gritty, the hard things. We talk about dreaming, laying down dreams, timing, prolonged seasons of pain, picking yourself up from your bootstraps. Guys, we cover everything. I am so excited for you to meet Jess. Jess is also the founder of Go and Tell Gals, co-owner of All Good Things Collective Print Shop, and one of the founders of She Reads Truth. Yes, you heard me right. She Reads Truth. She and her husband lead Bright City Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where they live with their four children. She blogs over at jessconnolly.com. And guys, you're going to want to bookmark that link because after this conversation, I'm sure you're going to be visiting it on the reg. So let's get to it. I can't wait for you to meet Jess. Hey, Jess. Good. I am so glad to have you on. I think this conversation is just coming at the perfect time for the Radiant listeners. I'm so excited about your new book. You are the girl for the job, making its way into the world and the message and the heart you have behind it. So I think it's just going to be so fitting, such a fitting conversation for the Radiant podcast and such a fitting message for kind of the Radiant tribe. I would love for you to start by sharing your story, who you are, what you do, all the things you do, and kind of give us a rundown of what's going on in your world. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I got a lot going on over here. <laughs> it's, not, it's not necessarily, you know, chill vibes. Um, I'm Jess Connolly. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. So my husband and I planted a church here six years ago. And that is that it that truly defines our world and our space and our time in a lot of different ways. But we also have four kiddos who also define our space and our time in a lot of different ways. We've got three boys and a girl. And our kids range in age from six to 12. <clears throat> so life is already a little bit loud. We also have kind of a stinky extroverted dog named Deacon who <laughs> runs with us too that we love. But um, a lot of our life is church planting and family. But on on the side of all that, we also have our hands in, in a handful of different online businesses and ministries. And so right now we're currently the co-owners of all good things collective and i also am the owner and founder of go and tell gals and i also write books and travel to teach the bible for a living so we got we got a little bit on the plate and we're just trying to be obedient every day and listening to the lord about about what's next but yeah i'd love to share some of our story about how we got here because it may not be your typical <laughs> story. Yeah, tell it. I want to hear because I love hearing about like the twist, turns, pivots, and then how you've married all the things you do together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not totally sure I have. So that I'll get that <laughs> off the bat right away. Um, I met my husband when I was 15. And I was the gal that you would absolutely not expect to be writing books or running businesses or really having anything to do with Jesus. I lived a, a pretty dark and heavy life right up until um, meeting God and falling in love with him, falling in love with his word. And then I met my my husband, would-be husband, really soon after that. And the day I met him, I met him at church. The day I met him, I said, oh, I want to marry that guy. He just looks incredible. And I'm still, I tell him all the time, I'm still just waiting for him to figure out that he got stuck with the, you know, extra girl from youth group that like wouldn't let him go because that was my story. <laughs> um, I 
however, though, really genuinely did wasn't a space of just being like least likely to succeed. I, I almost barely graduated high school. I, I've always struggled with learning. I'm not super book smart. <laughs> um, I, I was not and still honestly, I'm not someone who, you know, values achievement the way I think the rest of culture does. And so I just was not trying to get ahead in life, but I, I met Jesus and was transformed by Jesus. And the day after I decided to walk with God, I started reading my Bible and I just thought I cannot get enough of this. And so we knew pretty early on into dating that we were going to get married and we knew pretty early on into dating that we wanted to do ministry together. We both just love helping people hear about God and helping people experience abundance. And so our early marriage looked like a lot of, a lot of different things. We wore a lot of different hats within the church between worship ministry and youth ministry. And we were in a lot of different churches. We moved all over the U S to help plant churches and help to help be a part of church plants. We were really excited about this idea of starting new churches because something just beautiful happens in a new church. It can be really hard and really hard to lead and really hard to shepherd, but there's all kinds of cool statistical facts about when a new church, about when a new church starts and how many new believers are made and, and just that kind of cool start to building a culture and a community. So we knew we were excited about that pretty early on in the marriage. We started having these kiddos really close together. Um, and during that time, I kind of thought, well, you know, I never was really a high achiever. I, I never had a job that that made a ton of money. I barely graduated high school, had to just eat my way through college. And so I kind of assumed like, this is it. I found my sweet spot. I can be a stay-at-home mom and never really have to worry about anything else for, you know, a while. I'll just, my husband can be a ministry and that can be his deal. And I can encourage him in that. Um, and what happened is that I walked through just a really heartbreaking and debilitating set of years. Um, I started to struggle with postpartum depression and our family during the recession that happened about 10 years ago, we, we struggled a ton financially. We found ourselves living literally in poverty and at one point, um, being homeless. And in the midst of all of that, my daughter was diagnosed with a seizure disorder that left her in the ICU at one point brain with brain damage and brain trauma. And we miscarried and just all of these really intense life things began to happen. And in the midst of all that, I had been writing a blog because that's like what I did with my free time. <laughs> and I like to write and I like to encourage women. Um, and what I found is that the way the Lord has wired me is uniquely honest that I have, I have no filter. I have a really hard time um, hiding what's happening, what's going on in my life. Um, but I also realized that a lot of the stuff I was struggling with, other women struggle with too. And so as I began to experience hope and healing and peace and the power of God, I thought women need to hear this, you know, um, it's, it's too much to just keep this inside. And so while I didn't really have that achiever piece in me, like I want to go and conquer the world and I want to start things. I did have this intense desire to see other women get set free and see other women experience hope and see them experience healing. And so I started just using what I had right in my hands and, um, my really, my journey into small business and publishing even now really started with our print shop. And so when our daughter was in the ICU with her first round of grand mal seizures, um, everyone kept giving us this one specific verse, Psalm 46, five. And so I went on my husband's laptop and I made what now I would call a scripture print, which I didn't really even know to call then, but I just made this little design of the print and I printed it out at Kinko's and put it on the wall of my home. And I had a friend come over a few weeks later when our daughter was doing better. And she said, you know, you could sell those. Um, and that turned into an Etsy shop and that turned into a small business. And as that small business grew and as that 
And as I continued writing on the blog, God grew my platform and then publishing kind of came into the mix. And so all of these things kind of landed on our plates that I just really never saw happening that, you know, I'm, I'm still just kind of like shaking my head at because 15 years ago I was, you know, again, least likely that you would ever expect to see this happen to or with, but God just continued to grow my passion and my love for women and for seeing them live into what he's given them. And, and I just have become even more passionate about speaking truth to the things that hold them back to the feelings of anxiety and insecurity and fear that keep them from stepping into the roles he's given them. So that's where we find ourselves today, trying to steward those things and do it well, and also create a healthy and worshipful life for our family, because, um, you know, that's a lot going on, but that's where we found it. That's where we find ourselves now. Wow. So, you know, did the blog and the shop come while you were still like right in the thick of it being really hard or did you wait? hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, the blog happened through all of that. I started a blog right after my husband and I got married married and I always joke with people, but it's not a joke. My very first blog post was about Jessica Simpson's hair. So I don't (laughs) want anyone to like get any ideas that it was some deeply theological blog. I just like to talk about things like hair and taking my kids to the zoo. And, um, I just thought, I don't know, I'll just have an online blog. I'm here at home with these kids. Might as well like write at nap time. My first blog was called Naptime Diaries. So I thought I'll just kind of like share what God's doing. So it happened all in the thick of it. And um, I mean, all those posts are still online. I tell people all the time. I mean, you can go read about not only, you know, Jessica Simpson's hair, but also ch- just some of the deepest and darkest seasons of our life. Wow. So how, you know, I, I like to share about, and I think that's been like kind of a conversation this year. How do you feel like you survived those really hard seasons? Um, it sounds like it sounds like it was long and grueling and painful, but then so much of what you're doing now came out of that season. So I, I love to talk about those harder places in life because we so often want to wish them away, but they can kind of become the foundation of what like our freedom and breakthrough come out of. Um, so how, how did that transpire? How did you survive that? What would be your (laughs) tips for someone who's living that in their own way right now? For me, an obsession with God's word is just about the only thing that got me through. Um, whether it was our financial struggles, whether it was sick kids, whether it was miscarriage and loss, um, being able to know I could wake up in the morning and it could feel just wildly, wildly dark, but I could still open God's word and perceive a bit of hope on the horizon and was really helpful for me. And so, (laughs) yeah, that's about it. Like, I mean, I, you know, people make the jokes about like coffee plus Jesus or Jesus and coffee. I I would say like coffee also played a big role in that (laughs) (laughs) for me. Like I know, I know the word of God is enough, but it's, it's hard for me to read it without the coffee. Um, but I mean, and I, I don't, I always say that because I tell my husband now, like if I, if something horribly tragic happened in our life today and I think about what I would do tomorrow. The idea that I can wake up and make a cup of coffee and open my Bible sounds wildly helpful. Man. So you, well, A, I can't agree more. I mean, like it's been a hell of a year, really, um, over here at the Chapman household. And I think I've learned a lot about man, joy and pain. I'm an Enneagram seven, so I could Mm. like go my whole life avoiding pain, but (laughs) um. I've learned that a lot of joy and pain, you know, kind of go hand in hand sometimes. It's been like a sweet year as well. Um, But Mm -hmm. man, just a hunger for diving back into the word. And I was just around someone last week that I was like, oh my gosh, like I am so inspired to be more prayerful. Um, Mm. But just, I I couldn't agree more. That's how I, how I've survived and really not just survived, but thrived during a a really hard season. So tell us about all good things. So you started this Etsy shop, 
you know, kind of around your right, you know, in tandem with your blog, right? And it was called mm-hmm. Naptime Diaries. And at some point, yes, made the switch. So tell us like, about that evolution about that journey, because I think we have a lot of dreamers here over at the Radiant Podcast who are kind of thinking through starting that dream. Um, but I also sure. love to shed light about on how that evolves over time. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a really interesting ongoing story that I'm, I'm excited I get to share, but yeah, I mean, it, it really did start because I had this one verse that I wanted on my wall and I joke with people all the time. My staff knows this, that I make up the idea for our shop over and over every day. Like almost every time I read a, a Bible verse I love, I'm like, Ooh, what if you could make art out of this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, we do that. We do that. That's what we do. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, I just love the idea of God's word paired, you know, with beautiful art. And back when we started, there was not, there was not a lot of um, resources like this. I feel like it's different now. Instagram has obviously grown and, and aided and abetted our ability to just have beautiful things that are also inspired by God's word. But back then it was like, if you wanted scripture art, you were getting like a cross stitch from, you know, the Christian bookstore or something. That was kind of it. Or like a really cheesy picture of a cat hanging on with like a, you know, a verse from Romans. So it's just different. So that's really how it started. What, what's grown the business and what's grown me through the business, honestly, has been obsessing over our customers and obsessing over the woman who needs this encouragement who needs the tools that we create. And, it's her that I think about all the time. I think about what kind of tool does she want? What kind of tool does she need? How can we best tell her about it? What's going to love her well? And that's really been the journey of, you know, the last eight years. Yeah. Eight years is just thinking about her and thinking about what she needs and thinking about what I need because I'm just like her and I still need tools to help me study God's word. But what's interesting. So this is, you know, very, very fresh news. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be public, but we're actually closing all good things at the end of this year, which is, um, would sound like a sad and heavy thing, but it's actually a really obedient thing. And, um, we just know, we kind of, we kind of sense that God was calling us all to something else on our team. Everybody kind of felt pulled to a new direction. And about a year ago, I started going tell gals, um, which is my podcast and where I do coaching resources for women. And, um, I I was feeling pulled towards that. And some of our other staff members were feeling likewise. And we just really started to perceive that we had done what God asked us to do, that we had started this business, that we had, had helped get to, you know, create this space for so many other businesses, but there is really enough of, uh, enough of, other women doing this and utilizing art and utilizing apparel and hats and all kinds of things to encourage women. And so we just thought like, why not go ahead and just go out in obedience and, and know that we're all called to something next. And that we believe that people will kind of fill this vacuum that we leave this space that we leave to continual, continually create tools that encourage women to read God's word. So yeah, we're actually closing the business. So this, this fall, and this Advent season, Advent is our, is our biggest product we put out each year. It will be our last time putting it out. So that's actually, you know, just a whole new chapter in the story. Oh man, I have so many questions because I love that. And I've seen that this year, I've seen a lot of kind of that going on this year. And I personally, like, you know, I joked earlier that like, I feel like my whole business has been stripped down um, this year where God just keeps asking me to lay something down, lay it down, lay it down. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's my income Lord. Um, yeah. but I think out of that obedience, it means you're making room for what yes. he wants to do next and making space for that. So what have you learned in that obedience? Because I think there will come a season for many of us when mm-hmm. something that has been thriving, something that's been well-received, well-loved, profitable, it is asked of us to lay it down. And, and I kind of, I was driving down the road, uh, the other day and just having, you know, an anxiety spiral <laughs> and yeah. felt like I was just talking to God and, you know, I felt like he said, Hey, do you think I'm 
asking you to lay all of this down to leave you like naked and bare and like you've got nothing left. Yeah. No way. Like I'm going to replace that yeah. with something more, something better. I'm making room for what's next. And, and I just sometimes in those moments when I'm asked to lay things down, forget, you know, the good part of like, Oh yeah, like he's sure. going to give me something else. And, you know, but, uh, it can be first, sometimes you're laying things down without knowing what's next, um, right. or without knowing what that's making room for. And so what has been your experience with that? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's John 10. It's biblical that pruning creates space for more fruit. And I do feel like experience helps me trust the Lord in it so much more. You know, we say this a lot with our church plant. This, the church was one of the hardest place for it. The church was one of the hardest places for us to get used to pruning. And it would look something like this. Someone we really loved or that was really important to us would get called away from the church either to move or get called to plant a new church or something like that. Um, and we would think they cannot leave. I mean, if that person leaves, we, we won't make it like we won't be able to keep going. And every single time the pruning happened, you know, three, four, five, ten people would rise up in their space either, um, in just some way, shape or form. And so that, that was one of the first places I really saw this tangible, um, fruit come into place when I would prune, when I would let God prune. Um, the other thing that I think is just so important to remember that I think we forget, especially in our generation is that everything ends. Um, you know, when I was starting online businesses, you know, nine years ago, no one ever talked about all these small, like entrepreneurial endeavors ending, but everything ends. And, and most things end a lot sooner than you think. Um, and I, I do coaching with women all the time and I have to watch myself now because when I coach women who are starting businesses or ministries and they'll say, you know, I'll say like, do you want to be doing this in 20 years? And they're like, definitely. I'm like, oh you better watch it. Like, I don't know. I don't even know if the internet's going to be a thing in 20 years. Like, I don't know if podcasts are going to be a thing in five years, you know? I mean, um, and that's why it's, it's okay. And it's good to hold it loosely. And we don't need to be fearful of that. Um, we need to get excited about whatever it is God has on the horizon, but all that to say, like things absolutely end and we get to decide if we're going to let them in worshipfully and obediently and humbly by listening to God, or if he's going to shut them down because we wouldn't, you know? Um, and I think the other thing we get to remember is, are we only looking for the fruit that is better, seems better to the world standards or sometimes are, do we just want more of God or what we think he can give us? And so there have been a few things, a huge part of, um, of my story and, and pruning that I, I love to tell people about and, and get to tell people about is that I, um, helped start She Reads Truth. And a few people who know this story always laugh at like the, the point where I left the She Reads Truth team, I got to help start it with, with two women who I love and value so much. And in the, part, the point where I left it was right before it just absolutely blew up. And God told me this is going to do very well without you. I mean, God, let me know, like, you need to get out now because every minute after this is going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard for you to, to walk away because it's going to have so much worldly success. And in the wake of that, there would be people that would come and tell me like, Oh, now that you're being obedient to God, you know, he's just going to do so much for you. And, and he did. He has done so much for that obedience, but it has not been wildly world success. You know, um, there's been fruit in my home and in my church and in my marriage that no one else in the world will ever see, but it was still so good. And I've gotten to see sides of God and sides of his hand and his personality and his character that I think I might not have gotten to see if I hadn't been obedient there. And so um, I think we also just have to ask, yeah, like, do we want God or do we want what he can give us? And do we love God or do we love the stuff that he gives us to do? Oh, girl, man, you can preach because that, I mean, I've, I've definitely had moments where, um, 
I've laid something down and then I've had moments where God kind of was like, okay, I'm going to help you lay this down because you're not going yeah. to. Yeah, um, absolutely. But how cool that you were obedient with She Reads Truth and, and we're able to hear God say like, it's just going to be harder for you. And I've also been in that place where like you're in yeah. it and you're so excited and you love it and it's amazing. Um, and you're asked to leave, but how much harder would it be like right in the thick of it exploding? And so, um, I just, I mean, man, I'm so inspired by, um, that level of obedience, because again, I think you're right. Everything comes to an end. Maybe, maybe the um, expression of, you know, that service or offer or whatever still carries on without you. But sometimes our time comes mm. to an end. And I, I think you're right in this online business space, we kind of act as if something's going to last forever, but it's an ever changing landscape. Like yes. it's gonna, yeah. it might not end, but it's gonna change. And so right. uh, it's not like, you know, my parents flooring company, that's the same for 40 years. I mean, they've had to change, but, uh, it's just such a different landscape. So it's so interesting to even just hear, um, you talk about the different expressions and the, the, the different ways, um, your business endeavors have looked over the years. Um, what Mm. do you kind of expect in the season of ahead and what would, I know you coach women. Um, I would, I definitely want to dive into kind of your framework. I think it's like a six part framework. Mm -hmm. I want to hear more about that, Mm -hmm. but what would your advice be to people starting businesses, especially in the online space right now? Cause it does change constantly. And kind of my, my piece of advice is like be adaptable because it might change tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My advice is care about your customer. And, and if you don't, I, I, this is this is not um, a shameful thing. Like if you don't currently care about them, ask God to help you care about them. Yeah. Um, I think so so few entrepreneurs are talking about this, and it's so important. And not just entrepreneurs, but ministry leaders. Like it, this is all too hard. And you know this. Like podcasts, too hard. Online ministry, too hard. Online business, it's too hard. It's not that fun. It's really only worth it if you're impacting people and if you're loving them well. And we might think we might be able to convince ourselves for a moment that some level of success or notoriety or some amount of money is going to make it worth it, but it's not. We'll, we'll be miserable. We'll ne- it'll never be enough. There's no platform that'll be big enough. There's no amount of money that'll ever be big enough. What will settle our hearts is knowing we've been, we've been obedient and that we've impacted people. And I just think it's totally okay for women to admit, you know what, honestly, I don't really care about my customer. Like, I don't really wake up thinking about her. I don't go to bed thinking about her. I don't um, get like my heart thumping when I think about her dreams. I'm thinking about my dreams. I think that's okay to say. I think it's also wildly helpful to say like, then ask God. We have, we have the upper hand in the Holy Spirit to be able to say like, okay, so I, my heart might not be in the exact right place. Would you help me care? Would you help me really just labor over her? Would you help me think about her? Would you help me see her and see her struggles? And would you help me alleviate some of them through whatever product I'm putting out? there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know I personally have had some major mindset blocks that felt like huge hurdles in my own personal journey of achieving my goals. You know, it was helpful for me sitting my booty in that chair each month and processing through these roadblocks with my amazing counselor. Now hear me when I say, I know finding a counselor can be as tough as dating. That's where faithful counseling comes in. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Faithful Counseling is a solution for people seeking traditional mental health counseling who would prefer hearing from the perspective of a Christian. If you're seeking a mental health professional who's a practicing Christian, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in Faithful Counseling's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. 
The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly or video phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Faithful Counseling is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. And guys, don't just take it from me. You can read tons of reviews over on their website. One faithful client writes, in the short amount of time I've been working with my counselor, Colleen, I've gained great clarity and I'm excited to continue working through various personal matters. Guys, visit faithfulcounseling.com slash the radiant podcast. Join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional today. We've got a special offer for the Radiant Podcast listeners, and you can get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash the Radiant Podcast. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash the Radiant Podcast. Guys, I'm so excited for you to start taking control of your mindset and overcoming those mindset hurdles today at faithfulcounseling.com slash the Radiant Podcast. Man, I couldn't agree more. And that just even challenges me in some areas to, to ask God to care more. Um, and I even caught myself during a season saying, I just, I can't even care about that. And I feel like God, I was like in the thick of burnout and he kind of was like, cool. Like you're, you're, you're recovering. And then after about a year of saying Mm. that, he was like, Hey, you actually can. And I gave you that to steward. (laughs) So it's time to care. (laughs) And so, um, that was just, that's just been an interesting part of my, um, course over the last few years is I've definitely gone through seasons of not caring. And I, I kind of had to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to choose to care. And I'm going to ask God to help me care about it. And I love just the simplicity of what you offered to those of our listeners who, yeah, that might not be something that nat- comes to them naturally, but it can um, yeah. kind of with some some uh, help. And so I love that. So I would love for you to kind of talk about this message you're sharing in this season of you are the girl for the job. I know you've been coaching women for years. Um, and then you are releasing this book in September. So tell us more about your heart behind this message and what you hope to come from it. Absolutely. Well, I just feel like this is an exhausting and paralyzing season for women in our generation. And um, I feel like we're hearing a lot of confusing messages about working harder and trying harder and getting up earlier, but also that we should like let it go and be more chill and put out good vibes. And I think we're hearing that we should be more present, but we should also have a good brand. I think we're hearing all kinds of messages about body positivity. And also we should really have tight abs. Um, Like, you know, it's just really, it's a really confusing time for women and it's a lot of pressure. And I started utilizing these steps to coach women in ministry and in business. And honestly, they're very, they're very heart-based, soul-based coaching steps. And I I would notice that a lot of women came to me for coaching and they would want to know, how do I make a website? How do I do, you know, how do I build my platform the way you did? What hashtags should I use? How should I do this? What should I do about this? And I realized I could give them all that information and I'm an open book. I still, I'll still tell anybody just about anything about how I do or make or grow anything. But I realized that none of those things were actually serving women to help them be who God made them to be. And instead, there were all these interesting blocks that kept women from taking obedient steps forward in a worshipful way. And so I developed these six steps in coaching. And sometimes I'll have women who really are like, they think they want to come to me to talk about really nitty gritty business things. Like they think they want to talk about the algorithm and contracts and how to do X, Y, and Z. Um, And I'll say like, will you humor me and just walk through these six steps with me first? And if you don't leave feeling clear and and free and ready to go, then we'll we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, And... Every single time I I watch their face go from like 
furrowed brows, you know, confused about what's next to, to just feeling really eager and grateful and humbled to do what they get to do. So we decided to write those steps in long form, not just for women who want to be in business or in ministry, but all women. And we decided to give the book, the title, you are the girl for the job with the, the idea of the job being whatever God has placed at your feet to do, um, whatever he's put in your hand to do. And so, um, for women who immediately think like, I don't know what that is. That's okay. We've got three whole chapters on that. That's one of the steps because it's one of the things that women really struggle with. So the first step is that we just quit. Um, we really quit all of the false motivations and visions and self-serving ideas of us being the hero. And what I find is that not only does this really free women up, um, not only does it like get them ready to go and get started in a, in a, in a humbled and expectant way, because all of a sudden they're not feeling like all the pressure is on them, but also it just really helps a lot of us to kind of put these things on the table that maybe we've even heard in Christian culture that we should do. Um, this is things like picturing ourselves as finally having our junk together. You know, we hear women even use the phrase all the time, like, I can't wait till I grow up when they're in their twenties and thirties and forties. This idea that at some point they'll be better versions of themselves. And so when we quit that idea and really start to remember the gospel, remember the good news that Jesus is enough, even when we're not, that we are not the actual heroes of our lives or anybody else's life, that we're just a part of the rescue plan, that God's placed us here on purpose for the good of others and the glory of God. All of a sudden things start to fall into place in that we remember who's in control. Oh, And so the whole girl. first section of the book is just quit, just, just quit, which is not necessarily where people think we're going to start. Um, but I find women, it leaves women so free and so expectant about what's next. Um, the second step is thinking about who, who are your people asking the question, who are your people? And while I find in Christian society right now, that question usually means like, who loves me? Who wants to spend time with me? Who's my tribe? What's our vibe? Like, what are we about? Um, we look at it from a more biblical perspective, asking the question, who's already paying attention to you? Like, who who would love to have your attention? Who are you uniquely wired to love and to serve? And so we look at the, we look at truly the example of Jesus in that he could have chosen anyone to do life with. Um, he could have chosen the most wealthy, the most powerful. He could have chosen a crew that would just make him look so good. And instead he went to this really ragtag group of disciples who could not quite ever figure it out, just like the rest of us can't. And he walked with people who would help him do what God had asked him to do. And so I think so many of us are waiting for this group of people that will make us look and feel just like we've got it all together when really God has already given so many of us, um, the people that we're really well suited to walk with and to do obedient things with. After that, we move on to what and ask the question of, yeah, what, what has God given you? We definitely look at strengths. And when you look at all the reasons why women, specifically Christian women tend to hide their strengths or hold back on using their strengths. Um, but we also take a big look at weaknesses because I'm a firm believer that so many of us are walking around with God-given strengths that the world has labeled as weaknesses. We've got women who the world calls bossy and God's just made them to be a leader. We've got women who God has called compassionate and the world is calling them emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and so we look at, so we take a big look, not only at the strengths, but also at the weaknesses. From there, we move into step four, which is facing fear with truth. Um, I realized I was hearing a lot of women use phrases like, you know, kick fear in the face or punch fear in the gut. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> I yep. don't know what that means. Seriously. I don't know what it means to punch fear in the face. What <laughs> I know is that I'm terrified. So I don't know what to punch. What do I do? Um, and so we take a really truth-based approach to fear to saying like, don't pretend like it's not there. Don't pretend like the things that terrify you aren't potentially maybe actually going to happen, but walk them all the way out and speak truth to them and essentially ask the question, if the worst thing that you're scared of happens, 
if you lose the approval of others, if you lose your comfort, if you do it wrong, if you totally fail, is God still God and is God still good? And if both of those things are true, then we can walk forward with our fear, um, but still being obedient, which is really just, you know, courageous and leads to abundance. From there, step five is catch a God-sized vision. And this really is like a three chapter long section answering the question, how do you hear from God? Because I find that so many women are so confused about what that looks like, which I totally understand. Um, And so we get really logistical and really practical um, and really just hand women the tools that they already have to hear from God and to catch wisdom and vision for them about their life. And then the last one is just make a move. Now that we've we've done all those things, that we've quit the selfish or unhealthy ambitions, that we've determined who our people are and figured out what God's given us to use and fought fear with truth and caught a vision for our lives that is God-given and God-driven, it's just time to go. It's just time to, to take some steps. So we encourage women to do that, whatever that looks like for them as well. So powerful. Um, and how some of those... Um, kind of exercises have really been helpful for me, uh, mm. specifically on the fear. Do you feel like living through such hard seasons allowed you to really talk about it in a way that meets women where they're at um, and truly walking it out because you actually have lived out those harder things happening? Because I would certainly say um, earlier this year, some of my worst fears came mm. true. But I realized, oh, wow, I'm still on, I'm still standing. Um, It's hard, but it didn't level me. A hundred percent. Yeah. Do you feel like living that out allowed you to have a voice in that space specifically? Wow. That's a really good question. Um, I do feel like it gives me a voice in that space. I do absolutely feel that way. When women tell me, you know, they're scared about financial stress and I'm like, and I'm able to tell them like, I have. I have searched my car for quarters to be able to buy my three kids bananas the next morning. I, yes, I understand financial stress. Um, or when I, or when they're scared of loss and I'm able to tell them, you know, I, I find a lot of women are scared about, um, losing the approval of others. And, um, you know, my husband and I are church planners, which means that people come to our church every single Sunday that I could just immediately develop a girl crush on and think like, oh, that woman seems so cool. I can't wait to be her friend. And then they never come back. And that's like the low grade. That's like the low grade approval stuff we struggle with. You know, you can imagine the like people we love who have just absolutely, um, absolutely, you know, not approved of us or, you know, just Amazon reviews in general, which are an absolute thing for authors. Um, So I do feel like, to answer your question specifically, I do feel like it gives me a voice with women. What I would say is that something I have learned in the last year, and I don't even say this in the book, but I have said it privately to people that I don't believe that prolonged exposure to pain has made me more fearless. So by that, I mean, I don't think that, and I'd I'd be curious if you'd feel the same. Yeah, that's a bold statement. Yeah. You know, I don't know that actually experiencing pain has made me less scared of it. I'm still pretty scared of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm very, (laughs) very, very averse to pain. Even, even, you know, we don't have kids yet. Even the questions I find myself asking friends about kids is all about pain and labor. Like my mind just goes to like, okay, what pain do I have to expect? <laughs> but yeah. I would say uh, my mind is still, it doesn't make me fearless in the sense that um, my mind doesn't race with anxiety sometimes about say that happening all over again, building something and then uh, being asked to lay it down or it being taken from me, which ended up being really good. But I would say um, living out some of my worst fears, I realized joy can still be on the other side and like really good days Mm. in the midst of the hardest days, you know? And so that is comforting in the sense that it doesn't make me fearless, but it does, it does show me, oh, wow, I'm going to be okay. You know, um, 
it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be convenient and it may be scary, but I can still have joy and I can still have people around my table that are my good friends. You know, um, mm-hmm. I can still, I still have relationships. Um, yeah. you know, and I remember even to have a conversation with my dad, um, who has run a small business my whole life, uh, like a family business and him saying like, what's the worst that can happen, baby. And it's like, well, losing it all, but you know, I guess there still is joy there. And so, um, I, I I think you're right in the sense it doesn't make me fearless or, or eliminate the total fear of it happening again. But I do think it helped me with like daily dread of my worst case scenario. I just go to like, I mean, it's like final destination in my mind at all times. So, so, you know, it does help me with playing those out and actually like kind of the exercise you mentioned of just like walking that fear out and then the truths of what would be if that happened actually has really helped me like, okay. And and I actually now have had to live that out. So, okay, we're, we're yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like I have interesting experiences like, and, and reactions to pain. Um, this is culturally relevant only because it's happening right now on the internet. And so many of your listeners have probably seen and heard a bit about um, Lindsay Sherbondi of Lindsay Letters, his daughter, Ava, who's in the hospital. Are you familiar with her story? Vaguely familiar. Yeah. So Lindsay is, um, Lindsay's an online entrepreneur and artist, and she just has a, a, you know, incredibly wide reach and incredibly wide impacts on people. And she's a dear friend of mine. We've gotten to work together on a number of products and projects and her daughter, her daughter, Ava, two weeks ago, Thursday had just a, a strange freak accident. Um, she fell out of a golf cart. They weren't going too fast. They weren't in an accident. They weren't going over hills. She just like leaned out of a golf cart and um, suffered a traumatic, traumatic brain injury. And um, the doctors have said that her injury is like so freak and so severe. They can, they still can't figure it out. They, they said they've seen um, people fall out of two story windows and have like worse injuries than Avis. I mean, not less, less severe injuries than Avis. Um, And Lindsay's a a good friend of mine. I actually um, had a flight to go be with them this weekend that I'm going to miss because of a hurricane shutting our airport down. But um, I've had a few friends say like, you know, how do you feel about your kids? Like, or how, you know, knowing that I, I struggle with this, that I'm a fearful person, just like everyone else. And I had a friend last night, we were sitting on the beach and she said, really, like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like, are you scared all the time? Um, and I said, you know, something, something has like flipped in me where I, I just, I'm so angry at fear and I'm so pissed at the enemy about robbing our moments that I think the one thing I've learned is that spending time being scared of pain has never equipped me for it. You know, like it never actually helps me when the pain comes. If anything, it might make me more emotionally and spiritually weak than I need to be, Man. than I could be you know? So I'm just kind of pissed. I'm like mad enough. And I'm like mad enough for my friend and this pain that she's walking through. Um, that I'm like, I just, I'm like too mad to spend another minute being scared about something happening to one of my kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. I haven't, I don't have kids yet. So I've not lived out the extent of how fear can rob even that. And I, I think yeah. about it, you know, that's something I even talk about with my counselor of like, this rules so much of my life. Like, how is that going to play out with kids? But you're right. Like it doesn't equip you to be any more empowered in that moment. It just yeah. robs you leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, Thank you for sharing. Thank you for like your vulnerability and kind of your heart behind specifically that component of your framework, but also that, I mean, that allows us to keep Ava in our prayers and uh, man, you're right. I mean, fear robs so much from us um, and it's not empowering. So that just is leaving me walking away really challenged to kind of tackle that Mm. in a different way and look at that in a different way. And I think that 
um, pull our listeners to think about that a little bit differently as well. Um, mm, you know, cool. and yeah, that just leaves me thinking how, what would your heart be, um, as this book makes its way into more readers hands? Hmm. I'm just hopeful and expectant. You know, I think one of the coolest things a book can do is that it can change our language and that it can begin to change our culture. And so I know that the women coming behind us five years from now, 10 years from now, I know that they're going to have issues. I'm not crazy. I know they're going to have their own struggles. I would love for this struggle of feeling inadequate and incapable to not be their same struggle. Ooh. I'd love for them to have new ones that their generation is writing books to. But I'd love for us to speak truth over this in such a way that culture really does begin to change. And that when we face feelings of inadequacy and fear of not being enough, that that collectively as a community, we'd so quickly be like, oh, it's it's not about us. It's about God's capacity that we'd just be able to move on to different to different things, to different struggles. Oh, I received that. And you know what? I'm, I'm praying that that's what, you know, that's what I've moved on from in five years because you're right. Like we've got mm. to like tackle this and conquer this. And it's been such a theme for so long. And so yeah. like, let's handle it. Um, yeah. I'm really excited. Um, I think the Radiant Tribe's going to love this book, guys. It's You Are the Girl for the Job. Where can everyone find you? Where can they find more from your podcast? Go and tell gals. Um, Tell us all the things. Where can people keep yeah. up with you? Because I think our listeners are going to certainly want to follow along. Yes. I'm Jess A. Connolly on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, our podcast is Go and Tell Gals. And we're also on Instagram. That's where we have our coaching resources and our podcast. Um, and my website is JessConnolly.com where you can find out all about the book and all about everything else. Oh. Jess, thank you so much for just sharing today, um, for really, for vulnerably releasing this message into the world so that we can benefit. Um, I've just so enjoyed our conversation and we'll definitely have to have you back on. I definitely want to talk about kind of here how everything kind of, um, takes shape as you kind of close up all good things co mm, and move into the yeah. next season. I'm really eager to see what's next. So thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.